Hello and welcome to The Hearts Review with me Ross McLeod and Gordon Senior. Joining us this week are David, Spencer, Matty and Calvin to talk about the wins over Hibs in Aberdeen. We chat about transfers, the Scottish Cup and we preview the next three fixtures in the Premiership. Episode, I, think. I think it did start with Jamie in the last episode, yeah. Joke. Was it? That, was, no, that wasn't the last one. Oh, it might have been Matty. I don't know who it was. But it wasn't me who started with anyway. So, Matty, good week for Hearts. <laughs> <laughs> no, Gordon, good week for Hearts this week. Um, a 5 0 win and a 3 0 win um, over Aberdeen and Hibs. You'll, you'll have a lot of positive words to say about the manager and the team, surely. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm going to be full of praise this week. And I mean, of course, there's a few things that we can maybe uh, point out, absolutely, that, that could have been better. But we'll certainly, certainly be mainly positive. I mean, if we went into the week and you said um, we were going to trouse Aberdeen 5-0, be 4-0 up at half time, and then beat Hibs 3-0 as well, um, but not play well in both games in the process. I mean, I couldn't think of a better thing for this podcast to, to happen. Thrash two Diddy rivals, but still means that we can sit and poke holes in it. I mean, thank you very much, Robbie, and the Hearts team. Couldn't think of anything more perfect. Um, but yeah, no, I'm absolutely delighted with both wins. Um, kind of what annoys me, though, is I think the, the week prior, the, the, the podcast prior, I, I, I even put on a bet, I said that we would thrash St Mirren 5-0, and then we would beat Aberdeen 3-0. And then they don't do that. They win 1-0 against St Mirren. Then to get it up me, the next again week, they go and get those exact two results in a row, which would have won me around 1,500 quid. So you, um, you, you might hear a bit of laughter from Calvin and David. Spencer's making faces at, um, at Gordon fucking <laughs> holes. Um, Spencer, Spencer, what are your thoughts here? Now listen, there's, there's standards at this football club that, that, that we expect. And winning 3-0 and 5-0 should be the norm. <sighs> I thought it has probably been the best week in Robbie's tenure. A 5-0 win over Aberdeen. Finally winning at Easter Road in a sensational performance. And yet some people, some people are still not happy. I'm not disagreeing, by the way. I absolutely agree that this is the best week in his heart's career. There's absolutely no doubt about that. All the way back to even his first spell, he's not had a week like this. And, and fair play to the team, but Fair play to Robbie and his tactics and the way he set up the team. 4-0 up at half-time. You know, I, I felt... Uh, Easter really Road... down to him? Or was it down to really bad defending? What a foolish comment. You know that? Four <laughs> goals were probably avoidable. The second goal was brilliant, by the way. It was a fantastic ball from Toby Sibick. Excellent. World-class, actually. Always said there was a player there. And um, Smith... Fair play to him as well. Fantastic finish. Yeah, he certainly silenced us because I know last week I sort of said Michael Smith shouldn't be playing. Well, I think I think the vast majority of the heart support actually said that, but um, and he probably shouldn't have been playing. And, and maybe you, you kind of look at that that goal that he did score there again as as shocking defending. I mean, how no one picked him up, but you've actually got to credit the touch and the finish. I mean, really, really top top finish. And to be fair, he's he scored a few goals like that from that kind of angle running in out of nowhere and he, and he is cool in the box I'll give Michael Smith his, his due the guy can finish he just can't really defend anymore um, which is a shame but uh, yeah brilliant goal there and I thought the fourth goal as well was, was fantastic as well from uh, the, the build up more than anything uh, Shanklin's lovely little pass across the face of goal and that was a beautiful beautiful goal uh, touching and finish from uh, 
from Ginelli there, who's having a fantastic start. Um, well, a fantastic season, really. Um, and hopefully he gets that, that new contract. Yeah, it was a wonderful performance. There wasn't a false note in the team anywhere. I think everyone played their part, including the substitutes. Um, really impressive. I thought Smith, Shanklin, Ginelli, Devlin, they all played their part. Why are you, why, why are you looking at your phone? Especially Mackay as well. I thought uh, I thought it was a really good performance. What stat have you got lined up? Oh, I've, I've got something later on, don't worry. And uh, I was really impressed. And I thought it was a, a statement win. And I think it, it really signified that we're the third best team in the country. And Aberdeen are in quite a poor position. I got ridiculed, by the way, back in September when I said that Hearts would finish 10 to 15 points above Aberdeen and Hibs. People were like, oh no, it's going to be tough. It's going to go all the way. Certain other pages on Twitter and things like that. But at the end of the day... I'm right. I'm always right. We're better than them, and now we're flexing our muscles. Listen, have we got a little bit lucky with with Aberdeen's um, kind of form recently? Yeah, perhaps. But I think at the end of the day, we still would have we would have built up this gap ahead of them because we are a better side than they are. The, all I hear constantly from Aberdeen fans is, "We've spent 1.5 million pounds. We shouldn't be in this situation." So what if you spent 1.5 million? But we've spent money as well. We've probably spent more than that. But at the end of the day, right, look at our squad compared to theirs and look at the subs we made compared to them and Hibs and it just shows you that I think we're in a league of our own. It does It does prove, David, that we are in a league of our own and the team's got strength and depth. You know, we're bringing on players like Stephen Kingsley, we're, we've got a team there, we've got a squad there prepared to go that extra mile and, you know, as Gordon says, be in a league of our own. Yeah, it's certainly looking that way um, and it's shrewd transfer business um, overall. Um, I think thank we spoke about. Well, let's not get too far. Um, <laughs> thank you, Mr. Savage. Uh, I did think we. I think we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, that we said uh, back in the just before the break when we had all these injuries, we kind of had those benches where you were kind of filling it with youngsters or players that wouldn't usually um, get an opportunity in the starting eleven. But now, as you said, you know the the, the substitutions we're allowed to make gives our give ourselves a, a team that's just as strong as the one that starts previously. Um, which hasn't always been the case, uh, and yet it, it, you know, it reaps its rewards. You're you're bringing on players who can have an influence. You can bring on players that can solidify the, your your back line. As obviously with Kingsley coming on and and on Sunday, um, and yeah, it's it's we're now in that position where I think it, it's looking increasingly likely that we are going to finish third. Obviously, no chickens are being counted yet. Not for me anyway. I'm the natural pessimist that I am, but. It, it it seems inconceivable that we would we would lose from this position um, in third. Um, I just think that it w- I would take a miraculously poor run of injuries. I think for that to happen and and something really to to quite disastrous disastrous to happen for us and something miraculous for another team to happen. I think for that to to be the case. But uh, as mentioned, we we shouldn't really get too ahead of ourselves because we've seen that in this league anyone can take points of anyone. We are not completely excluded from that. We're more consistent, but all it takes is something freakish to happen. But yeah, I, I don't see us finishing any less than third, really. Call me negative. I mean, seriously. <laughs> I mean, yeah. pessimist. Ah, I piss off, eh, with all that shite. Um, it's I thought, too early. It's not, it's not too early. It's not. I mean, we had third wrapped up in February last season, and I think it's the same now. I mean, even if somehow, even if we lost to Livingston on Sunday, I would still expect us to go on another run prior to that and start uh, wielding away from them. You look at the squad that Hearts have, and the, the options, particularly um, up front now as well, you know, Humphreys is back. He could easily start, I think, for us. 
Um, you've got Oda there, who who hopefully can come in and make a wee impact. Kuyo as well, who who obviously wasn't involved against Hibs or, or Aberdeen, but uh, I think it's because he was ill. I would expect him to come in and uh, play against either uh, Livingston or Rangers. You've got so much options now as well. Um, and then obviously Boyce and Beningame aren't too far away as well. I believe they're back running next week on, on the grass. So you're probably talking about maybe March, end of March, when we see them just in time for, you know, hopefully a Scottish Cup semi-final and, and, and the run-in. So, yeah, I think I think those two games that we've just seen there, and even, even maybe going back to the St Mirren one as well, three statement results. And if they can go and beat Livingston on Sunday, that's the four teams who were basically just kind of behind us in the league that we've left in our almost... Uh, eating our dust really you could say so um yeah I, I think hearts now for me hopefully they can start flexing their muscles because the pressure almost of europe and injuries they've put that behind them now they've still got a pretty good run of fixtures i mean we only have to play celtic and rangers um once in glasgow now until the end of the season um sorry obviously it'll be what once each i should say you know we'll have to go to rangers and the split but we should really look at this run of fixtures now quite positively and, and take them on and, and see how close to, to the top two we can get. You know, I, I don't think it's realistic that we can catch them, but we should really be looking at it now and saying, listen, can we get that down to single figures between us and Rangers? And I don't think that would be such a bad thing and see if we can maybe capture the cup. Are you surprised, Calvin, with the the sort of the nature of the results? It, was, it looked easy on paper, but there was sort of elements of Aberdeen and Hibs being quite poor in certain situations. I think that goes down to the, as Gordon's just talked about there, is the squad that we have is so far in front of anything else that they are able to now win these games quite convincingly. I mean, I can't remember a time where we've put three past Hibs twice in the space of what, two weeks, three weeks. Um, the Aberdeen game, Aberdeen looked all right for the first 20 minutes. Like it was, it was, I think everyone thought the same at half-time, how are we 4-0 up? And then you go and watch it back, and because every single time we won the ball back, we were dangerous. We were, we've got players now that are scoring every time. Like again, Easter Road, we had three chances and scored three goals, and that's not down to luck. That's down to having top quality players doing their job. The subs as well, the depth, like the three, the three players we brought off the bench on Sunday. Every single one of them had an impact in the second half of that game. One is the game. Um, we just have better players. This is the thing. It's it's what money gets you. Like if money's spent wisely, you sign better players. And at this moment in time, there is not a Hibs or Aberdeen. To be honest, outside of the old farm, I don't think there's many players in the SPL I would take at Hearts right now that would get into the squad. I don't think there's anyone at St Mirren. Livy maybe have the like Livy defensively are good enough. There's maybe one or two that you would look at, but would they get in over what we've got? Probably not. Um, I mean, since the World, I mean, our form since the World Cup's frightening. We've played eight games, won six, drawn two. We've also built up a fucker of a goal difference as well. And we keep saying we're nine points clear. In reality, it's 10 because we're on, what is it, like plus 11, plus 12. And every other team in the league outside the old farms on a minus. So could we get caught? Yes. Right. We could. Levy win tomorrow. It's down to four points. Got a game in hand. We were in this situation last year. I remember we went to St Mirren in February where they were eight points behind with a game in hand. And if they beat us at St Mirren Park and they won their game in hand, it'd be down to two points. And then we were, and we went there and we won. I'm not. I know we'll get onto that in a bit, but I think the way we're going, especially away from home, that's that's been the sort of real different. The, the thing that's sort of given us the ability to stretch is we've not lost a lot of games away from home. Like Hibs and Aberdeen went to St Mirren and got beat. 
They went to Dundee United, got beat. They went to Rugby Park, got beat. We went all these grounds and pulled. Was, even when we didn't play terrible at Samaritan, we still pulled the draw out of us. Yeah, the waveform was actually. Yeah, the, the waveform's been consistent as well. Like, I mean, what was the last game we lost? Rangers away in November. So basically, since we dropped out of Europe, we've lost one game, two games. There's only one. Yeah, that was the last defeat, but yeah. that was just, so we we beat Motherwell after the game in Istanbul, and I think I actually we won lost one since since we got dropped out of Europe. So no, no, I, I don't think so. So that was always going to be the problem was, and we had such a terrible like I've been I've ranting on about this a lot, but the fixtures we got when we were in Europe just made the job so much harder. Like we didn't have a home game that wasn't against the old firm in that entire run in Europe. That's a supercomputer for you. I fucking mad. <laughs> yeah, so, and now we, we then, and it's everyone knew, once the injuries cleared up, we weren't playing every fucking three days of what it felt like every three days. That squad was better. I mean, when Richard Gordon and... Um, Billy Miller. Thank mm. you. Thank you, Gordon. When they, they, had a, they had an absolute meltdown at Alan Preston before Hearts beat Ross County back in October when Preston dared to say that Hearts had the third best squad in the league. And they had an absolute meltdown about how, and they were laughing at him about how it was Aberdeen. And Preston went through it. He went through everything the Hearts had dealt with injury-wise, all the games we were playing, and the fact that we were still within four points of Aberdeen. And that once we got the players back, once we were out of Europe, we would leave Hibs and Aberdeen in the dust. And we absolutely have done that. We're looking at Livy now. Livy are, at this moment in time, the, the team... Because I keep thinking Livy are going to slip away, but they're not. They, they keep getting results. They're, they're a very hard-to-beat side. But Livy could just as easily finish 10th as they could finish 3rd because the league is so tight behind us again. It's very... You've got to remember that the, the job Martindale's done will come into Livingston yeah. later. It's remarkable considering the budget they have. Oh, yeah. 10th yeah. is an achievement. Yeah, no, it is. It 100% is. And Livy do concern me a bit because nobody really wins at Livy. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's a tough one. Matty, are you happy for Robbie Nielsen getting his first win at Easter Road? I mean, does it count? <laughs> yes, technically. Jig was in the dugout. To be honest with you, I think if, if you're giving Nielsen credit for that victory, then I'm taking credit because I was also in the stand. So <laughs> <laughs> You still know what a game at Easter Road as far as I'm concerned, but generally, joking aside, I mean, it, it was a great result. It was a great result. Uh, you, you've got to give it to uh, Lee McCulloch and Gordon Forrest for the... Uh, tactics that they put in place, the substitutions that they made, um, brilliant, brilliant. It's really fuck. You can't even do it myself seriously. Sorry. Yeah, you, you, you're the person. You're basically the person that explained that Robbie Nielsen explained after the game. You know, not one in the cold on a Tuesday night. I mean, he's, yeah. it, it's true. <laughs> if, if Nielsen's pointing it out, then I'm glad he's aware of it. But I'm going to continue to point it out because since I have been pointing it out, we've got better. So I'm going to continue to point it out. It, it does prove, though, how, how he's developed as a manager, though, in a sense. You know, going to Easter Road and, and, and winning. That's another milestone for his I mean, managerial career. In all seriousness, right? Let's, let's stop taking the mic. It, it was a fantastic result. And for him to go to Easter Road, and for us to go to Easter Road and continue the run that we've had recently in Derby, in Derby matches has been brilliant. I think it's probably been his biggest criticism, his Derby record from a lot of people like myself. I'll include Gordon in that as well. But that's sort of Ilka fan that, there were some questions to be had over his derby record, and he's turned it around. You can't argue with it. We're unbeaten in nine games against Hibs. He's played a massive role in that. Um, and he's got one thing left to do for me, win a trophy. And I'm very confident that we're in a position this season where we can win a trophy. I cannot, don't think I've got it in me to lose another cup final. So, Do you know, Ross, 
see, see, when you mention it, kind of how he's evolved as a manager, I was actually watching something the other day. I was watching the the Rangers, um, his last game against Rangers at Tynecastle, and his interviews and things like that before it. And then it got me thinking about you. Remember when you know the the famous uh, money spinning replay quote and all that sort of thing. His mentality now is totally changed, and you listen to him in press conferences. You know, your hearts, you've got to win every week. Um, all this sort of thing. That's actually a total different thing to what he was saying the first time. He almost was behaving like a manager of a Diddy club last time, and I think that's what used to piss people off. Yeah, we just came up from the championship, and and you know, yeah, look, you know, the club was on its arse maybe eighteen months before that. But compared to what he was talking about then, it was always you know. Oh, top six would be good, you know. We because uh, I remember Prince Buaben came out the season we went up, and he was like, oh, "Staying up would be a good achievement." Fuck off with all that mentality. I mean, that's complete nonsense. They finished third. I expected them to finish third that season, but for me, the thing should have always been they should have finished second. They should have won the cup. They didn't do that. Fine, but there was still that kind of mentality. He's went away to MK Dons. He went away to Dundee United. He's come back with a total different hunger about him. I think. Even the Broda interview as well, I actually listened to that back as well. And um, he actually handled that quite well at the time. Now, I just was spitting red and, and venom at the time, you know what I mean? So you don't really take that in. You just think, what is he talking about, the fucking loser? Get him out. But really, when you actually look back on it, and I think, it, you know, especially with, obviously, Aberdeen's result against Darville this week, you kind of do reflect on that time as well. It can happen. It shouldn't, but, you know, it, it, it has happened. And I think that that game in particular as well, you look at the the squad that he had out that that night. You look at kind of, and it was during an international break as well, so there wasn't any Craig Gordon. There was a few injuries and things like that. In comparison to the Aberdeen squad, there was absolutely no excuses for the Aberdeen squad losing the other night there. Um, where there there's a couple in there, you can think to yourself, well, maybe that's probably why that happened. But regardless, anyway, the way he handled it, I think actually fair play to him at the time, and and the way he's responded, the way he talks now as well. And that mentality that that now I think is quite clear at the club. There is a certain ambition um, that that the club have got themselves together. But and it, and it's good to see they're actually kind of learning their lessons. Now it's not perfect yet. It's not even because we've won five nil and and three nil. I think there's still things that we can poke holes in. I mean, really, I think if Hearts played well in both of the games, they might have won ten nil in both of them. But I'm still waiting for Hearts to click. You know, I, I, I am. I, I generally think this Hearts team here, you know, you really do look at it, and it is by far and away the third best. But I want to see them go, you know, the Rangers game coming up. I want to see them win that game. I want to see them with, with a bit of a swagger. And some of Nielsen's um, games in that f- first spell, that Rangers game I was talking about, the last game before he went to MK Dons, I know it's a total Ranger, a different Rangers team, but there was a swagger that night about Hearts. There was a kind of confidence about them. And and I want to see a similar type performance when Rangers come to town, and that's what we've we, we've kind of sort of beaten with. We stick a little bit in big games. We 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 didn't seem to get that from them, but I think now he's kind of he's sort of changed that. I mean th- those two games there, five 0 and three 0 against Hibs, uh, Aberdeen and Hibs, big big games in the season, and they've uh, they've strolled them and they've scored a lot of good goals. And um, yeah, um, we we certainly can't complain in that regard. I mean, I kind of agree with what Gordon's saying as well. Though I listened to the press conferences for the Levy game before that, and you hear Nielsen talking, and we're discussing in this podcast, we've done it ourselves, are we clearing third? I think he thinks it's done. Because all he's talking about now is closing that gap on Rangers. We need to get as close to close to second as we can. And I think you're right in what you say with the attitude, because the first time we did come up, it was, 
we were quite clearly going to finish second or third that first season and all, all year it was top six is a good achievement uh, we do really well to get in the top six even when it was done and dusted like we were looking we're going to finish third I think we could have pushed for second that season and I think we down it's only tools. six points I think in I, the end we, 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 had, we were at one point we lost a, we lost, I can't remember who it was but we lost a stupid game and then we went up to we went up to Aberdeen and beat them and if we'd have won that Motherwell game, that would have made it to three points or something like that. But we were away. We were away in our holidays. I don't see that happening this year. I think he's chasing Rangers. And I don't know if we'll make it. I don't know if we'll catch them. But I think we're going to continue. And I think I personally think third's done. Um, I don't see Livingston, if they're going to be our closest challengers, being able to keep up with the amount of points that we're going to we're going to pick up between them and the end of the season. We're too good. I mean, we're bringing on George Grant and we're bringing on Humphreys. They'd start for every other team in this league outside of Celtic and Rangers. We're bringing Kingsley off the bench. Now, you'd probably start him. For who, though? I mean, are you going to drop Rose? Are you going to drop Sibbett? Are you going to drop Hill? Are you going to drop Cochrane? Probably not. They're all, they're all in fantastic form. So you're sitting there with last season who I thought was one of our best players last season can't even get in the team like Kingsley cannot get in that team who'd you drop for him no one at this moment in time I don't think you can drop somebody for him mm, again though Cochrane gives you something different depends on who you're playing because Cochrane's quick Cochrane gives you pace I thought he was quite poor on Sunday actually I think he yeah. I think he was but if he had stayed on the park probably would have got sent off the reality is though if we're going down to Livy and you're looking for somebody to stretch the game I think I want the pace of Cochrane down the left wing. It's, it's an absolutely good headache to have, but I would I want to see Hearts go to a back four, and and Kingsley just to be the left back. Um, and I think I, I like Hill. I, th- I love the way he settled in. I think if he continues his form, I want to see Hearts break their transfer record for him. Whether it's realistic that he'll come here or not, but I I absolutely think you know if you have a settled back defence, which we're seeing just now in Hill, Rolls, and um, Sibic, who by the way, what a player. I mean, I, I said this for ages. Um, I think he's a midfielder, and I still stand by that. Particularly when you look at his second, like his goal on on Sunday there, it was. But it's some finish as well, and it shows you the turn of pace as well. He was the one that actually won the ball, and then he went on a run, um, and then you know Humphreys has put him through, and it's a touch is slightly heavy, but it just shows you, you know, he's still got that pace to get there and dink it over Marshall, and he was unlucky as well a couple of minutes before that as well, um, when he just he just glided past, I, th- I think it was Nisbet that was maybe like tracking him down. Best striker outside the old farm. Well, yeah, exactly, we'll come to him, I'm sure, but um, he, he basically, I thought he hit it too early, he could have actually went straight into the box, Nisbet might have, have took him out there and then, but he was unlucky with that one as well, and I just think that, see if you had him in midfield, if you took him out of centre-half, and you just went to a back four, with maybe Hill, Rolls, um, either Cochrane or Kingsley, and then hopefully Patterson. Um, you you then push him into midfield. He's got the he's got that kind of defensive thing where he can tackle and he can win the ball, but he can play football. He's quick. He's powerful. He can go forward. I just think he would be so much better in midfield. He's better than Devlin. Like seriously, I, I would have him in there ahead of Devlin, um, because I think he gives you. Devlin runs about for ninety minutes. I mean, he, in terms of what he does, um, off the ball. There's not many players like him, but on the ball, he's not really that good, and I'll I'll I'll, I'll maintain that. I think I think if you had Sibic in there along with Snodgrass, you got Benengami coming back. I think we would absolutely steamroll teams at times. I really do. As as you say, it's, it's a good headache to have. Brilliant like, headache you know, to got, have. Yeah, got players yeah. that are, and that's the thing. I think I think part of Hearts doing well is the fact that there's competition. 
Aye. in the team. Well, it has to be. I think players who come into the team, they, they know that they've got to play well or they'll be out in their ass. And I think that that I think that's probably what's actually pushed Shankland because remember we we uh, particularly me, I was criticising Shankland. It was round about October time, I think it was. I think it was it was before the Celtic game anyway because he got dropped and I think he deserves to get dropped. And Humphrey Humphrey started. He came on, came off the bench, and it was because of a Humphrey's injury, yeah. But he came on, and he scored a hat trick. And since then, he's never looked back. And I think, I think it was because he had been dropped that suddenly gave him that boot up the arse. He thought, yeah, I've scored a few goals already up until this point, but I've not really been playing that well. And I need, to, I need to up my game here. And credit to him. But in effect, that's what's probably hindered a lot of Hearts teams in the past. You know, you've got a good start in eleven. And there was no competition. Uh, absolutely. Well, what, 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 what did we say after the Scottish Cup final last yeah. year there? We said the, the problem between Hearts and Rangers here is... Because, I mean, yeah. I mean, Rangers should have won the game, you know, over 90 minutes. Absolutely. They had the better chances. But there was at no point in that game that you thought, right, there's nobody on the bench that can come on here and change this game for Hearts. Where now, you look, what's happened there? We're winning 1-0 at Easter Road. And you're thinking, right, who do we bring on? He brings on George Grant and he brings on Stephen Humphreys. And... After that, Hearts started getting the ball more. They were controlling. Hibs never had a sniff after that. They didn't, and it was and, and in the end, it was it was an easy win. And I thought Hearts were uh, by far uh, worthy of the three 0 in the end because, quite simply, they brought the better players on. They controlled the game. I feel like if they had kind of started that way, the game probably would have been done by half time. To be honest with you, I thought a lot of what Hibs were doing going forward was because of the way we were playing. I just thought that you know we 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 couldn't sort of get a good rhythm to the to to our play we were making quite a few sloppy passes that was allowing them to kind of press us a little bit but we were still winning 1-0 and realistically Clark's not been forced into too much and you would always expect Hibs to be on the front foot they had just lost a derby 3-0 a couple of weeks before they were hurting they had to to have a go at hearts and uh, we stood up to them and then second half after we made the changes I thought it was easy for us in the end, and, and I wouldn't say 3-0 flattered us, despite what John, your uh, a pub team Colin, says. Um, and obviously David, um, Lawrence Shanklin getting his 20th goal of the season. Quite good for a championship striker. Yeah, quite good for 20 penalties as well, some finish. Um, yeah, of course, there is obviously the so much talk about how... He's never proven it in the top flight. He was a dud in Belgium. All he was was a championship penalty merchant or whatever. But I'm happy if he does that, what he's doing just now. I've got no problems at all. And I think he can he can do more. Um, and I think he knows that as well. Um, the fact he's hit 20 goals in, what, the middle of just, just coming up for the end of January is uh, impressive in itself. And if he hits 30, which I actually think he will, uh, all injuries aside... Um, then, then you know there would be no argument of who would be you know player of the year in in my opinion, and um, definitely the restaurant would go down a, a notch or two. Now they put the prices up as well, not good enough. Uh, but apart from that, um, the the guy's a revelation. Um, he really has. He gives us such a new lease of life up there, um, and he can play with. It. He's now one of those strikers where you can play him alongside a Ginelli or a Humphreys, two different types of players, and he complements them both really well as well. Um, and obviously it's finishing second to none. Um, I don't think I've ever been more confident in a guy stepping up to take a penalty um, for Hearts before. And of course now I've said that, he will miss one against Livingston, but that's just the way it is. Um, but I didn't mind that, he didn't miss one against Hibs, and that was really the one I was worried about. Um, and for to get him on what, was it half a million was it we ended up paying for him? I mean, you, you talk about investing in the club, and we used to be quite a, a tight club. We'd always get players on the cheap, uh, players, try, uh, you know... Trying to find ways and not having to pay big transfer fees and 
free agencies and so on. But the fact we are now able to pay money for a guy of that quality, and of course, uh, um, are getting our monies back almost pretty much in, in half a season. Um, just shows you the good investment that, that the club's making into the team and uh, you know fingers crossed he gets 30 as I said I think he will and uh, let's hope for even more and you know just hope these uh, dangerous astral pitches we have to play on um, like Livingston um, don't don't have any uh, bad effects on him that's all I can say I think arguably Hearts are in their strongest position we've been as a club since uh, the Romanov days uh, I go back to Oh five, oh six. <laughs> no, and, and ter- in terms of a squad, yeah. In terms of the squad, yeah. And I think arguably that's that's down to one person. I just want to pick up on what on what. See Mrs. Budge, just, get out right now, just, by the way, because it's just, not even funny. I just felt it's a, it's an interesting point, and I think we we can have a, a little look at it because March twenty third, two thousand twenty one, twenty two months ago, Brother Rangers two hearts one. There was people the next day. There was people outside the stand calling for Robbie Nielsen to go. I'm sure there was people on this podcast demanding that he went as well. But she showed resilience and she stuck by her man and she didn't cave to the masses. She didn't give in and sack him like many people on this podcast wanted. I said we should have stuck by Robbie. But people laughed at me and said, you know, that's the wrong thing to do. Look at where we are now. And I think that is down to Mrs. Budge showing leadership, being strong, standing by Robbie, if it was up to you, would you have sat Robbie after Brora? I, I would have done, yeah. And and where would we be now? Probably the exact same. No, no. I, I think I think I think would probably be and no. I think we'd be in a worse position because you'd you'd have someone, you'd have someone like Daniel Tuwin Stendel as manager. Yeah. Listen, Daniel Stendel. I think had he come in the summer, I think absolutely could have took hearts on it just as as high heights in my opinion. I think the problem is he went into a club that was in disarray because of your pal Mrs. Budge. Remember, not sacking Craig Levine. That's exactly why we were in that position in the first place. There was too many people in that football club that had been there for far too long. People like John Murray, scouts that had been there for years who had resided over signing shite after shite after shite. Thankfully, these have been gone because one man, Mr. Savage, who's come in, totally transformed the football club. Pointed Mr. Savage. Uh, well, actually, actually, I don't think it had much to do with Mrs. Budge, to be honest with you. I think it was people around her who she finally listened to. You're not trying to tell me that Mrs. Budge has opened yellow pages and went, I'll give Joe Savage a wee phone and see if he fancies a job. She didn't even know who he was. So didn't you start with all that crap, right? It's, uh, the fact is, the current success is down to Robbie Nielsen. No, it's not, well, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to deny, deny. Whose decision was it to keep Robbie Nielsen as manager? Mrs. Ann Budge. The current position we are in. I think it was down to the sport director. See if the sport director turned around. No, 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 no. See if the sport director said, I think he's got to go. Then he would have been, been gone. The foundation wanted him go. That boy was on Sports Sound and all that. Exactly. Thing. And why not? You know what I mean? At the end of the guy just lost to Brewer Rangers. I mean, there's apps. Everyone wanted him gone, but Mrs. Budge stuck Hi- by her man. Hindsight's a wonderful thing. And if you listen to what I was saying earlier on there, looking looking back at it now, credit to him the way he handled it. And, and credit to the club for keeping him. It would have been easy to bin him there and then. And they probably should have done, but they didn't. And fair play to them now. I think you can't just say it's down down to one person where the club are just now, because it's not. And the fact is, let's think about a wee article that, that Mrs. Budge was involved in a couple of weeks ago there where she said she gets frustrated at not making decisions anymore. The reason why she's not making decisions anymore is because she's useless at making decisions, right? Yeah, she might have had a wee nice restaurant and all that sort of thing. But at the end of the day, when it comes to football 
decisions, she doesn't have a clue. And that's why she's not allowed to meet them anymore. And that's exactly why the football club, keeping club Robin Nielsen as manager was a big decision. That shows she does have It a was clue. a big decision, she absolutely. She had a vision for but, the future. No, 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 that's listen. That's where we are now. A vision for the future. A vision for the future. I read the Craig Levine uh, sacked... Um, Sorry, after we just lost to Motherwell three two, the same uh, the same season there we got relegated, and Mrs. Mrs. Budge came out with a thousand worded statement and says simply that just because we've had a bad start, we shouldn't rip up our plans here. What was our plans for that season? To get relegated. That was a woman who couldn't see the future and was delusional. Yes, she's got very very fortunate that she didn't sack Robbie Nielsen. But the the good thing is now she's not allowed to make decisions. And could argue you're you're both right in a sense. He's the not board, right. Well, the board stuck by Robbie Nielsen, and we've benefited from that. Yeah, absolutely. But I don't think that that ever. Budget making as many decisions. We're, we're probably she's not making any that. football decisions. Well, there you go. We're probably more fruitful because of that. Uh, absolutely. Now. So absolutely. Any good leader realizes when there's issues. She obviously realized there's issues because we got relegated. Oh, but she should have realised we had issues when yeah, we were going to get relegated. But she brought people in that were able then to manage the club. Well, she brought one man in who's then brought the rest of the people yeah, in. Well, let's be honest with you. You've got to be able um, to trust two who you're, who's work, who you're... Well, who she trusted point. the wrong people, didn't she? Look, I think there's a really interesting conversation I have here without the senior brothers having a pissing contest about who's correct. Um, <laughs> and I'm sure Spencer would say he's correct too. Right, but... Ge- genuinely though right we have restructured the club very very well and you've got to take your hat off and say that there has been correct decisions made from the top down i mean i'm not a big fan of budge myself but the nielsen the decision to keep nielsen has worked in our favor savage has been a very very astute appointment and we've completely revitalized the football club from top to bottom we did get rid of all the levine duds and all the jobs for pals that we had i mean murray was at this football club i I think i sacked him on football manager every year for about 15 years as the first thing i did when i got the new game right because even they knew he was shit right he had like eights and nines and every single stat and every time we brought in another dud it went lower and lower and lower like but anyway we got rid of him and things have went on the up and you've got to say you've got to take your hat off to the football club they've proved me wrong they've proved a lot of people wrong now it's about kicking on because there's going to be the next target's got to be winning something. We need to win something. We have all the structure in place. We now have the finances in place. We need to get to the semi final and or the final, whatever guarantees us European football. If both of the old firm go out, we need to get ourselves into the final. But we need to get in a position where we're in the group stages again next season. We can take what we've built. We can offer players like Shankland money that will keep them around on a good contract in the same way we have done with Rolls. And we need to start building. And I think that's going to be the next test. It's going to be the next test for Savage. It's going to be the next test for Mrs. Budge and the rest of the board as well. And I can't wait. I'm genuinely excited for the future of this football club. And to say that now, I mean, if you'd have told me that even after the Rangers game, that I'd be in this position come February the following year after we'd lost our third cup final, I would have laughed at you. But the recruitment over the summer has been excellent. Could we have done more? Possibly. I would have liked to centre half in in the summer. It might have avoided some of the issues. But we are an oligarch on in this in this country now. And I think now we just need to consolidate that and move forward. And if we get Patterson in, another great move. We've had a great window again in January. So you can't really argue where we are as a football club. It's great. I think there was always a thing that worried, that if they actually paid attention, would worry the other teams in the league. 
because if Hearts ever got their act together properly, we were going to pull away. The fact that Hearts have the biggest support base in the league outside the old firm, quite. Sub- I always thought us and Hibs are kind of even, but you're seeing it now once Hearts have started doing away. Like, because Hibs done really well the two years after they won the cup, but they still weren't selling at Easter Road every week. We're now at the point where we've just redeveloped Tynecastle and it's not big enough. Like, you, the, the club is, the club's going to have to get another mistake from yeah. Mrs. Budge. <laughs> It was it was incredibly short sighted, but the club the club if we carry on like this, the club's gonna have to look into something. We like Edinburgh as a city is expanding, Hearts support base is expanding. If we can start winning trophies as well, it's just gonna get big. I mean, we've got two and a half thousand waiting lists for season tickets and a twenty thousand seat of ground. You can't buy a ticket for love nor money at the moment for any home game. Hospitality's selling out. It's, and these are just running the mill league games like Dundee United and Motherwell and teams like that it's not even just the I mean you've got no chance of getting a ticket for a derby or a game against the old firm unless you're a season ticket holder um, and we need to we, we need to have a serious like the club needs to have a serious conversation if we get in the groups again obviously the season after the groups aren't guaranteed but we should be in a position where if we drop down the conference league qualifier we should be winning that qualifier and that again generates more and more money the only way we were ever going to close the gap in the old firm was with sustained European progression and in the hope that we can then, if we could expand, expand Tynecastle's like in 25 to 30,000 then, then that's when we could properly close the gap in the old farm. Because at the moment, we're never going to close the gap in the old farm with 20,000 capacity ground. It's just impossible. But the way the club's going at the moment, like I said, if we ever got our act together, there's the support base is there for Harps. You've seen it when we won the cup. Every time we won the cup, the amount of people that come out to that, anytime we get to a cup final, the, the scramble for tickets, we sell out every, every time we get to a cup final. Um, even Inverness in that semi under Levine when we were yeah we took 20 odd thousand to Hamden for a quarter past 12 kickoff against Inverness no other club outside the old firm does that like and it's St Mirren in the League Cup final took what 33,000 to that yep. again it's, there's no other club in the country that that does that Aberdeen can can fucking prattle on about their support all they want but the fact is they're rattling around an empty Pataudry every week and that's why they can't get near us the problem, the thing that they got lucky with is that we were a shambles for 15 fucking years. Like, that, that was the point. Like, from about 2008 to 2021, we were an absolute shambles with the odd season in between. We had obviously the end of the Romanoff days when things just went from bad to worse and then we obviously got promoted to a good season then and then we're just on a constant decline because of people like John Murray and because of people like Craig Levine. And people like Mrs. Bunge. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and now we're... Um, only, only we could win 5-0 and 3-0 and start complaining about Mrs. Bunge. I'm not complaining about Mrs. Bunge. I think the, the way the club is now is that we're in, we in a position where we, we pulled away. We just need to make sure that we carry on. And then once we've got third, like, in a league on third... We're looking at Rangers this season. We're, what, 11 points behind them now? 14. 14. Well, it'll be 11 points on Wednesday night. Well, no, I mean, that, that's the, the, you mentioned the Mrs. Budge thing there. It's only because Spencer had his hooks out. That's why, and, and he managed to catch all three of us. It's quite easy for, for that to happen. When he, I don't know, he's, he's delighted. Job done. Um, no, listen, absolutely. The, the, la- the last two kind of games there, I've, really, it would be easy for us to sit here, pat ourselves in the back and be like, oh, I'm absolutely delighted, you know. Eight goals, none conceded against our, our fiercest rivals. Fantastic. And it is fantastic. But we still could have played better than both games. You know what I mean? We were a 4-0 up against Aberdeen. And I, I thought, we've been poor. Well, not poor, but I, I, I just didn't think we played that well. And it was the same against, and, and now we're against Hibs. And then you feel like, if we started and looked at ourselves and thought, 
you know, played as expansively as we can, had the attacking players on in the right structure, rather than a back three, maybe have a back four, extra man in midfield. We'd probably beat most teams three and four, five nil in the, the, this league. I maintain that. I think we're at, we're at a really good level, and it is all about building now, where you've got where you've got three or four players that you can bring off off the bench that you know are going to make an impact. Uh, guys like Stephen Humphreys, I think, you know, listen, we all criticised Humphreys when he came in, that Livingston game, his Livingston debut, it, it, was, it was a joke, you know, but I think that was a guy who had just been thrown in the deep end, and I feel sorry for him there. Since then, he, again, has shown his worth, he's got pace, he's got power, um, and credit to the club for finding a player like that, because realistically, how often have we signed strikers from England, and they've been nowhere near the level he is, and he's our backup striker. You know what I mean? He, he'd be, you look at some of the players that we've brought in over the years, and he's better than vast majority of them. Um, same, it goes back to last season with Sims. It's the same stamp. You know, it's a quality player that they've found, and if they can get Patterson in this window, that squad there for me, get that. I mean, I'm not saying they're going to finish second, and I don't think they will. I mean, I don't think Rangers are playing particularly well at the moment. I just think that gap, unfortunately, is too big. Had they been at the moment as single fingers, I'd think, why not? But I just think it's it's too much. And um, but if we can get that down to uh, to to single figures and go on and win the cup, because I don't think there's any reason why Hearts shouldn't shouldn't look at trying to win it. Um, I think it'll be difficult. But Rangers have shown. I mean, they got took an extra time by Aberdeen. Um, you know, if they could get you know Celtic and Rangers could get each other, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. I don't think. Um, I know we were talking about on a podcast the other week there saying, oh, you kind of want them to get to the latter stages just because the fear of one of them getting knocked out and then us making an arse of it. I don't think we would make an arse of it. I think we are in a strong position at the moment. We've got that gap in third, which means we can kind of go into these team, these games and play our sort of full, strongest team. And I think we would, I think we could beat anybody at home. Even if we, even if it gets to the quarterfinal stage and say we've got Celtic and Rangers at home at Tynecastle, I'd, I'd quite fancy that. Yeah, I agree. And I think as well, come back to one of the points you previously made, you talked about how um, we don't, well, we, we'd be easy to pat ourselves on the back after these big wins. But I think, as we mentioned, you now see that we're not doing that and we're not going, oh, that was great. You know, they're going to enjoy that. I think even Nielsen said when he was on uh, after the, the, the derby, he said to um, Coyce and all that, he said, yeah, they, they can enjoy it tonight, but, you know, we've got we've got big games coming up and I think that's what you want to see you know everyone wants to enjoy those big games obviously because you know they're there to be enjoyed and they're massive occasions but at the end of the day it's 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 90 minutes once it's done yeah enjoy it but at the end, we have to finish, we have to keep that league form up we've got to make sure that I think everyone wants to get to Hamden again the clubs clearly have this I think the minimum expectation for Hearts is to get to Hamden every year it should be anyway um, and as Matty said I've not got the mental capacity to lose another final Um I really don't. Um, I, I still sometimes think about St Mirren, ten near ten years ago. Yeah, yeah, St Mirren. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It, it, it's a painful, painful day, and it's one I don't, one I don't enjoy revisiting. And I think now that we've we've kind of mentioned the club has got to that point where it's not just about just being happy to have the have hearts on the team sheet on a cup final. It's about getting there and actually winning it. And it's good to see that the club have now finally, you know, seen the light in that respect and realise the potential that, that, that this club has um, gives those opportunities you know the, the reality they're not just you know pipe dreams that I think seem to be the case that maybe six years ago the hierarchy seemed to think it was it's a good draw in the Scottish Cup it, next Hamilton yeah. away from home it's yeah. Friday night oh, which don't. Is, um, I've had to take a half day for it yeah. spewing I think, we all, I think we all have Aye, it's a joke but it's a, yeah it's a good draw it's a, it's a team who's bottom of the championship by 
a considerable margin. Um, they've obviously just lost their their main striker as well, by the looks of it. I think if I read correctly, um, and the only annoyance is that it's Hamilton and it's an absolutely shite away day, really. Um, apart from the fact the train station's thirty seconds away from the ground, but you've got to go to Motherwell, so that's not ideal either. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a game we should really have no fears about. Obviously, listen, you you, ha- you see Darville Aberdeen, so you always think, oh, cup shocks happen, but come off it. Eh? Got a huge semi final the week before or something. Who? Like that? Hamilton, Hamilton, what in the SPFL, the trust, the trust, the trust trophy, yeah. the yeah. the the new Ramsdens or yeah, whatever, yeah. yeah. They, right, okay, I yeah. That. I still thought it was the Petrofac. <laughs> <laughs> I think it. I think deep down it still is the Petrofac. Aye, the Bell. Aye, whatever previous sponsor there is uh, used to be, then it's that Challenge Cup. Ah, uh, the Challenge Cup. I've, I still never go over for getting beat four 0 off a of Livingston. <laughs> <laughs> it's a disgrace. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I can't. No, I but to uh, win that cup. <laughs> yeah, so did I. I won my way Um. But yeah, uh, I think th- that's another mark on the budget. <laughs> yeah, it's never one of the Challenge Cup. I wanted to. I know. I wanted to. I know. I wanted. I wanted to film at Derby Park and get beat off. I wanted, the, I wanted the, the plastic double, the yeah. ch- Challenge and the Championship yeah. double. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Hamilton away. Okay, if they have a massive game on the Tuesday night before, even better. Um, on on again, another dangerous AstroTurf pitch. Not one we like to see. Uh, but yeah, it's a great draw. You couldn't really ask for much more other than it being at home. But yeah, we should really have no qualms about that and, and getting into the quarters. And I th- that you know, I, sometimes I forget how easy it is to get to the Scottish Cup quarterfinals. It doesn't feel like you do a lot. You play two games and you're suddenly in the quarters. You think, well, actually, you got a chance of winning the whole thing. It felt, felt like when we played St Mirren on the Friday night last year. I, I don't think it really settled in that that was a quarterfinal at all until it was done. Um, so yeah, it's a massive opportunity, obviously, again. Um, and yeah, there, there there should be the expectation that we get to Hamden again. Simple as that. I'm going to chat a wee bit about transfers, Calvin. Um, Blackpool um, claimed to have signed Toby Sibbett this week. Aye, what was that all about? They got, they got Mick McCarthy bit. doing his uh, press conference claimed that they'd signed Toby Sibbett. Yes, and Hearts uh, released their first statement in a while, actually. I know. It's been a while without a written I know, we're actually bottom of the statement, statement league this year. That's terrible. Which is annoying. To be fair, it's just because we're doing well, so we can't <laughs> bitch and moan about everything else. No, like, it, yeah. Blackpool are not signing Toby Civic. That's just not happening. It's like you know, maybe if Blackpool somehow found three, four million quid, then then yeah, but at this moment in time hearts aren't letting a very valuable asset to go with that. I mean Toby's still got two and a half years in his contract. He's getting better and better. He's turned into the player that we all thought we were signing at first. Um you're not getting him for six hundred grand. That's just it's just comical. It's the usual. It's the you you always get this with the sort of smaller English sides. They have this this mentality that this the Scots, you never get for the bigger sides in England. That's what they, they kind of reckon because they've obviously got proper scouting departments. And they recognise the value of a player. Whereas the sort of tin pot shitholes like fucking Blackpool and Luton, they just think that they can come and pick because oh, the Scottish league shite. It's like no, it's not. Like Hearts would destroy Blackpool at this moment in time. We would absolutely rip Blackpool up for arse paper. They are a tiny time, tiny club from one of the biggest dumps in the UK, <laughs> right? And. Well, their, fra- their fans were all like, it's the usual shite. Like, when we signed Cole from Newcastle, loads of Newcastle fans were very complimentary about Hearts. Like, great club for them to go to. Really good for them to get experience up there. Scottish League, tough enough, but playing Rangers itself, it's great. But as soon as you drop down to the, the League 1, League 2 level teams, they, they somehow, because of the distortion of the TV money, they think they're fucking massive. Blackpool get about three fans through the door. There's such a long list of players that have came up from clubs like Blackpool and have just been fucking terrible, but they've been good. Nando, oh, fucking Nando, eh? 
No, the fucking Mohawk Instagram. Oh, McCurdy, aye, aye. Aye, but no, so... Anyway, I'm, I've gone off on a complete fucking rant about Blackpool and tinpot EFL clubs, right? You're not signing Toby Sowett for 600 grand. Hearts are not... Hearts are in a very strong position with the players because we've been very, very clever off the field in terms of contracts. Who's the other one that Hibs signed? Collins or whatever it was. Oh, gee, oh, that's going back a bit. You know what's funny as well? i actually seen a Blackpool um, fan arguing on Twitter saying... Uh, Oh, you would never, because uh, uh, right enough, because uh, players like Ollie McBurney, Wes Fotheringham, and Timo Puki uh, would struggle in the Scottish leagues. I was like, Puki played in the Scottish leagues was shite. Wes Fotheringham was a Rangers goalie and was shite. And Ollie McBurney, in general, is just shite. So yes, they would struggle in the Scottish leagues. Yeah, Joey, Joey Barton, Burnley's champ, like, championship player of the year, came up with the Rangers and got the absolute run around for Scott Brown and a boy for Hamilton Ackes. Like, nah, it's. But the, the club have put themselves in a really strong position where they're most valuable players are on long-term contracts. So we can just... I mean, is Toby Savick going to leave a club that's... A, is he going to leave Edinburgh to move to fucking Blackpool? No. Right. B, is he's not going to leave European football and potential cup finals and semis and big games against the old farm and hibs. I mean, look, did you see the, the crowd on Sunday singing his name at the end? You're not leaving that to go and play in front of three people and a seagull in Blackpool, are you? <laughs> like, it's just not happening. Are the days of smaller English clubs taking players like Toby Civic off clubs like Hearts over I I think we've put ourselves in a position where it probably will happen I think if we lose any of those players it'll be through our choice or them often stupid money that they probably don't have we're not in a situation now where we were I mean Callum Patterson's a great example right he's he's in we're talking about him coming back to us but we mismanaged his contract situation something awful We've done the same with Nicholson and Walker and a lot of players around that time and we've always been guilty of it. Hibs have just done it with Ryan Porteous. Um, exactly the same sort of thing. Thanks for the memories. But um, he's away for pennies, right? I mean, let's get real. He was a dud and he never won a derby, so get it up him, right? But they should have been making at least a million quid off of him, right? Same same position we were in with Patterson, but they fucked his contract up and he's went away for next to nothing. I think we're now in a situation where we're pre-planning I think if Civic was was in the Porteous situation, he might go to Blackpool if he had six months left. Because I don't know, probably not actually, but because they're shite. But hopefully, we're not there anymore. I mean, we've got roles in a five-year contract. What's the next step? Get Civic a new one because he's going to have two years left in the summer, right? New contract, please. Shankland, new contract, please. Let's start investing that money on these assets. And if somebody does want to come in and offer us ten million pound for Lawrence Shankland, then thank you fuck off, make it 15 and then you can have them, right? But, you know, that that's where we've got to get ourselves to. We've got to get ourselves in a position where if we do lose players like Civic, we're going to bring them in for nothing, or next to nothing. I can't remember if we played, paid a fee, but if we did, it was a few hundred grand. 200 grand, yeah. You want to make 10x that on these t- these kinds of players. You want to be making 2 million in your 200 grand signings and then repeating, repeating, repeating. That's how you build a football club. And I think Savage is aware of that, and he's talked about it a few times, so is Nielsen, but they're having those kind of conversations. And that's what I want us to be. But Ingemi was another one. I think if he hadn't got injured, people would have been sniffing around him. Because we talk about, oh, Devlin's not been great, blah, blah, blah. Devlin wouldn't be in our team if Benny was fit, right? Our midfield would be Snodgrass and Beringami, because Beringami's light years ahead of Devlin, and Devlin went to a fucking World Cup. Like, I'm not, he's, he's a good player, but that's where we're at. So, fingers crossed, keep the contract situation right, keep running the club well, and we need to start selling at the right time as well. But Blackpool offering six hundred grand—that's never going to be it. No, it, it's quite funny because if you probably if you go back and you listen to our podcasts that we were doing in COVID and and prior to to the season we got promoted and stuff like that, 
That's exactly what I was saying. It's, it's where the club needed to be. And I was like, we need to go and invest in players and then sell them on for big fees. And and generally, we're, we're now in a position where we can do that. You know, Rolls might very well go in the summer. I don't think he will. I think he wants a crack at, at group stage football. I think we'll be able to hold on to him for another year. Um, but if he has a similar season, um, then chances are he probably does go away again in the next season. But then, you know, you look at, right, well, who are you going to go and sign to replace him? There's a very good network there that we can do that. And then the next gem can come in and you can sell them for... I mean, there, there's Jim Hill who they've brought in, right? And I just I just look at that signing and I think to myself, he's a player, by the way, and we've got him on loan for six months. Now, whether or not Hearts can get him in the summer, but if Hearts could agree a deal, I think if Bournemouth stay up, there's a good chance that Hearts could either get him back for a full season or they could buy him outright. And I think he's worth spending a million-odd pound on because if you then... If you then see him go and have a good season like Rose has had and like Beningham, you're then gonna you're gonna go and you know get five six million back, and I just think these are the type of investments that you need to make when you're on top, and they'll keep you in that position a third, them pushing and getting closer to to the old firm. The thing is, any time Hearts have had success in the last twenty thirty years, right? It's only ever been for maybe one or two seasons. And Spencer was always going on about this as well. Oh, we never have back-to-back third-place seasons, or we never do this and that. I was like, ah, but the club's in a different place right now. They're as strong as they've kind of ever sort of been. And he, he said, oh, well, what about the Romanov season? I said, well, look at the Romanov season, you know what I mean? It was just, it was it was bingo in terms of who you were bringing in. You know, think, oh, he'll do, we'll bring him in, or we'll, we'll do... It was just, it was a nonsense. Feeling there's no structure. Yeah, the, there's a really good structure, and there's a good team in there, and you're only really, realistically, needing to buy four or five players kind of every sort of summer to to build your team up. Um, we sh- Last summer was different because we knew we had the extra games and we knew injuries could happen. But anyway, they weathered that and hopefully they've learned from, from their mistakes that they made in the summer. Um, we, we've kind of spoke about that in length. They've they've rectified that in January. Realistically, with the squad that we had, we probably would have still been all right and maybe finished third and got group stage. But they've they've got that extra security now up front where they've brought in the two new attacking, attacking players. They're bringing in Patterson as well. And you think to yourself, right, that, that squad now is absolutely fine. Even if it has a couple injuries, it's still got more than enough options to, to get through to the end of the season. And then you say to yourself, right, if we have group stage, let's try and get to the Europa League group stages. Because again, you attract a higher caliber of player by doing that as well. If you're playing against Borussia Dortmund and uh, Dynamo Kiev or whoever, you know what I mean? Big, big names of European football. You're going to attract better players, better internationals. Players are going to stick around for these types of games to test themselves against these bigger clubs. The Conference League's great, but if you have that Europa League there, again, it takes you into a different, a different kind of ballpark, and and you can attract a better style of player, as you say. Of course, you can, and it gives you a better, a better chance of trying to compete with these sides, and and you know if Hearts can try and get themselves third place in the Europa League, and get themselves into the groups, you know, Conference League after Christmas, because. We actually do need to, we can't take our eye off the ball here as well. Because of our coefficients went down a little bit, I think the next again season, we may have to play a qualifier. Yep. So you've got to be ready for that. Um, it can't get to the stage where where we qualify for Europe and then we're out before before July again. And I think the way it works as well, you actually end up having to play, it's something stupid, you end up having to play two qualifiers where you then get to the playoff. It could well be, depending on how far a coefficient. Aye, I'm not sure. I mean, hopefully the old firm will all actually be better than Europe next year. I think yeah. they will be. I don't think. I, think both, what would, what would I don't think both of them will be in the Champions League. Well, I think Rangers I think will be in, in probably. One Europa. thing would benefit us 
would be Rangers to drop to Europa and actually uh, get points and get in get points again, yeah. Because and I think, and to be fair, game, it's pointless. and in fairness to Celtic, I think Celtic now with the players that they have, I think they'll actually be able to compete in the Champions League a little bit better next season, possibly. Um, I think they actually didn't play that badly this year. I think their problem was probably defending, and Postecoglou is a pretty astute manager. He'll probably learn from the mistakes that they were making um, in in Europe there. So I think they might do a little bit better in the Champions League next year because they'll win the league, they'll piss it. Um, Rangers, I think, have a little bit of work to do, but you feel like that they could maybe they've got Beal in there, who's has the experience alongside Gerrard, and you know, kind of doing well in Europe with Rangers. So if they can they can do well in in Europe, and if we can do well in Europe and try and get that that coefficient back up again and, and getting strong again so that we basically every single Europe when the sorry every single season when the opportunity is there we're qualifying for Europe and then it'll be the stage where people will talk about they won't talk about the big two it'll be the big three and it'll be the case of you know are we Scotland's Atletico Madrid I think that's where we need to be stealing what I said in the group chat yeah well no you're absolutely spot on spot on it's got to be I mean nobody's expecting hearts to to win the league every season, it's never going to happen. But if we can, if we can get closer and closer and closer, then you know you might just get a little bit of luck. Who knows? Looking ahead to the next three games: Livingston, Rangers, and Dundee United. How many points do you we'll get out of them? Well, I think I think we've. I mean, if you're talking about all three, I mean, you've got two home games in there and a tough away game. But realistically, you need to be looking at I think minimum seven. Um, but I think there's no reason why Hearts can't look at it and go nine. I think that I think Livy really. Is the is a slippery one for us? I think uh, I I fancy Hearts to to beat Rangers. I do. I, do, I just think we're due a result against them. I've been watching them. I don't think they've been playing that well. I think if Hearts can can give them a game under the lights at Tyne Castle, we could get a result in that one. And uh, because realistically, you know, the league the league is over. Um, I don't think it's a Rangers team that's that's playing for the to to try and win the title. I think they know themselves it, it, it's a difficult task. I think it's a it's it's different when you play them and there's only three point they're only three points behind Celtic then it'd be a big massive shock. I think this one's a little bit different. I think the two cup competitions are probably where their main focus are at now. Um they've got that final against Celtic coming up and obviously they're still in the Scottish. So I think that's kinda where Rangers is kinda heads turned towards. Um so yeah, I think there's no reason why Hearts can't get a result. I said I think the Livingston game's a, a, a difficult one, but again, there's a good opportunity for us to change the team a little bit. You know, they he might bring in I think Kuyo might start. Possibly might. Um Oda could could potentially see more of him. I think Humphreys might start. So I think it'll be more of an offensive hearts team. So hopefully we can click, taking five thousand fans, credible for a half one on a Sunday. Um and then obviously Tincastle will be jam-packed as well. There's a really good chance again to flex our muscles a little bit and then Dundee United come to town, which will be a, a tougher game because you know they, they are a good side at the moment. They're picking up points. Um, but again, there's no excuses um, where we, we, we shouldn't be winning that game. So yeah, I would say seven minimum, but um, try and go and get the nine. It's going to be really difficult, I think. You look at the two Livingston games this season, probably our two worst performances. Um we always struggle at Livingston away. Even when we won there last season, 1-0, that voice game, Craig Gordon was in sensational form. And this season as well at Tynecastle, I never actually seen our 95th minute leveller. had left by that point when Livingston, um, when Hart scored that, Janelli. So we've really struggled against them. And, and same with Rangers. I can't remember the last time we put in a, a decent performance against Rangers. We're in a really sort of bad, bad rut against it. You could argue maybe that 1-1 game at Halkett last season. 
even 1-0 early in the season, we didn't do horrendously badly. But I can't remember the last time we put in a good, good performance against Rangers. I'm still annoyed. Still annoyed at the um, the, the top six game last season. I know we had an eye on the, the cup final, but that was a very poor poor day for, for Hearts. So I want to see us putting a performance against Rangers, but first and foremost, we have to take care of Livingston tomorrow. It's a place we always struggle at. And I'd like to see us go there and try and implement our game. I think it's going to be scrappy, do you know that? I, I really do. I think there's it could go either way, but I think it'll be a goal in it. It'll either be 1-0 Livingston, 0-0 or 1-0 Hearts. I, I think it's going to be one of those sort of games tomorrow. I said the same, unfortunately, actually. I know someone who's a Livingston fan and I just I think what happened in a previous life to to be him. Um, but I always say to him that I think it'll be one, I do think it'll be a goal anyway. I completely agree. The, the game's against a, a Martindale side are never a classic. And you say that we are two performances worst performances this season were against Livingston but that's because Livingston are Livingston they play a way that cause a, a team like Hearts to really disrupt them and make them play in a way they're uncomfortable in doing and we all know that the 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 pitch it the Tony Macaroni gets a, a, a poor write-up and, and rightly so and it's the classic leveler of a, a bobbly covered in black pellets astral pitch that doesn't really uh, it's not conducive to sexy football that we know uh, hearts can play but yeah it's going to be a horrible game we all know that I don't know why Sky Sports thought it was acceptable to show this on TV I mean it's just going to be one it's just going to be so ugly isn't it um, so yeah I mean yeah as, as mentioned 5,000 going to that is incredible just don't tell Aberdeen fans that um, they don't seem to like being told that other teams have good away supports um, that actually live in the city that the club's from as well um, which is another one um, I see their support at Easter Road today is pathetic they'll blame Goodwin for that or whatever or Darvel or whatever um, they have up their sleeve um so yeah so it, it, you just hope that we get a result I don't really care how ugly the game is um against Livingston I couldn't care if we have five percent possession zero shots on target and we score from an own goal if we win 1-0 I'm happy with it um, it's a game you just want to kind of want to get the result get out of the way and then you look to put in a good performance as mentioned against Rangers and I think the last home game we played well against Rangers and I don't even think we played that well was probably understandable when we won 2-1 um, or even in the cup but I think the, the league game was probably better um, than the cup performance um, so yeah if you can just put in a performance where you put Rangers under pressure we've seen before um, years prior when Rangers under the, the Warburton era and so on that if you put pressure on a, a Rangers team then they, they do struggle um, especially on a tight tin castle pitch so you just hope that we do that because too many times especially the 4-0 earlier in the season and I know we had injuries but we just never really seem to, to engage in a game like that against Rangers. We always seem to do it against Celtic, but never Rangers. And you just hope that we can do it against Rangers and actually put in a, a performance that, that warrants a good result. Um, but yeah, I think Gordon says seven at the nine really should be the bare minimum out of these next three games. And they're vi vital to get seven because if you don't do that, you just open up yourself to the possibility of other teams catching up on you. As mentioned, I think the gap's probably too big for that. But you never know. I mean, going to echo a lot of sentiment here. Um, I hate playing Livy. I genuinely can't stand it, and it's a, and I say that as a massive credit to them as a football club, especially the way they play under Martindale. It is painful viewing, but my God, it is effective. Um, I'm completely agreement again. It's going to be an odd goal in it. Um, I think we've got enough quality to win the game. It's probably going to be a couple of moments. I don't see it being pretty, but I do think our quality will shine out in the end, and I think we'll get the victory there. The Rangers game, I think that's probably one of the most important games for me of the entire season I think it's time we show we're capable of stepping up in these kind of fixtures especially if we've got ambitions to try and win something we need to have we need to lay a marker down on Rangers we need to actually beat them because 
and and play well in doing so as well. Like I want us to go toe to toe. I want us to match. I mean, if we get a draw, but it, there's something to cling on to, I take that as well. Like we need a performance against them because if we end up getting them at Hamden again and we're off the back of somewhere like fucking four defeats and again, then it's going to be difficult. I mean, even the Halkett one where we got the goal. I mean, it was nice to get the point last season, but we weren't great. It's about time we step up and start showing that we are capable of closing that gap, that we do have a good enough squad, we do have good enough players, and I believe we do. So, fingers crossed, beat Levy any way possible, and then really give Rangers a go and try and beat them and really put one on them this time because it could be massive, not just for that game, but potentially winning something moving forward as well. No, I'm, I'm really looking forward to Wednesday night, actually. Um, I think it'll be... I do think we'll beat them. I think Rangers are conceding goals for fun at the moment. They're winning games under Beal, but they're not convincing by any stretch of the imagination. And yeah, Livy is what Livy is. Everyone said there's no point in repeating what everyone said. It'll be what just get in there, get a result, and get out. Um, but no, Rangers. I think that's. I think it'll be a really good game. I, I, I fancy us to beat them. I've said it for a while. I think Tynecastle, given the atmosphere around the club at the moment. It is, it's absolutely massive, as Matty said. If we if we do get them at Hamden, having not having lost the last seven attempts at them, it's a psychological battle. But if we beat them and get them at Hamden and go, well, we've already beat them this season. You go do it again. Um, and we've not beaten them for so long. We've been so poor again. We put in good performance against Celtic the last two seasons. Really good, not picked up many points, but we've the games have been close. Aside for the one at the arse end of last season, it's, all, it's only been one goal in it. But with Rangers, we just seem to just melt down every time we play them nah I think I think I will beat them I think I'm more I'm actually tomorrow I think we're more likely to drop points on Wednesday night I think at this moment in time I still I think seven points is what we'll get it'll be United at home takes care of itself um, but Rangers and Levy it'll be four points for those two games which way about it is I'm not 100% sure I think it's more likely to be the three against Rangers but we'll just have to wait and see we will just have to wait and see exciting times ahead thank you all for joining us this week Hopefully we do get three wins out of three and continue our fantastic form. Until next time, goodbye.